You are listening to Love, Sex, and the Hidden Agenda. This podcast is brought to you by Know the Self Mystery School, activating men and women to live with purpose. It was created with the sole intention to release toxic shame, illuminate our shadow nature, and expose the mysterious entities that feed off your most precious life force, your sexual energy. The mantras we sing in the beginning and end of each episode are ancient Sanskrit prayers to invoke the brightest light of truth and to liberate us from our fears. To learn more about our life-enhancing courses and transformational retreats, visit knowtheself.com. Let's dive in. Welcome back. We have Angelina and Dixon back with us for another episode. They're from Relationship Mastery Academy. Um, In the last episode, we were talking about how I know them and learning so much about um, their relationship and what they do in their coaching business. So they've been together over 30 years and um, they've come up with this manimal system. So you can go take quizzes and find out which manimal you are. And we've discovered that Dixon is uh, a panther gorilla hybrid. And um, if you heard the last episode, you'll know that I have um, tested all the men in my life to see what patterns, what kind of manimals I've been collecting. And um, Angeline's helped me kind of discover the different patterns I was having and how to find the, like a relationship that really has substance and to change some of these patterns. We, we learned about uh, communication styles and like if we're internal or external processors, um, if we're introverted or extroverted. So I have so many remaining questions. I don't know how many episodes we're going to have to do with you both because uh, Satya and I are over here like spinning, like ask them about this, ask them about that. So one thing that I have wondered from the moment I met you guys, I could see that, you know, here you are this beautiful couple, you've been together for 30 years or over 30 years. And it's something that we all dream of. And for me, what I, what I dreamed of is a relationship that has juice and can last and it's still like sexy and vibrant. And what I dread and what I've been afraid of my whole life is being stuck in a relationship that's um, like dead or the, the spark is gone or, or I feel, um, I don't know, sort of uh, like it's gone stale or I'm not sure if we're growing or am am I just afraid and clinging if I become codependent. And so I've had all of these different um, fears and anxieties about relationships and getting time with you guys and just seeing that, okay, you guys have been together 30 years and I've seen Angeline, like when I met them, there was a a whole slew of uh, women around Dixon. And I'm so suspicious of men and I track everything. So I'm 
I noted that like, okay, so Dixon has a past and he's obviously like a, a very good looking man who has definitely lived a vibrant life, uh, a colorful life. He has a colorful past. And I could see all that before I actually knew the story. And I was like, very different, you know, Angeline, um, She's got the family thing down. Like she is a committed mother. She's dedicated to her kids. She's super close to her children. They're like best friends. She's like the mother I always dreamed of. I was like, how, how did she, did she train him? Did she like reform him? Like, how does she feel so comfortable? Like she's so free. They're both so free. Like she's not controlling him. She's not jealous. She's not like obsessing over his every move, which is kind of what happens when a woman chooses to be with a, a panther type. I mean, let's, I'm just speaking honestly from my own experience because I tend to attract um, or I'm attracted to very attractive men that are charming, that are charismatic, um, that have colorful pasts. So I have a lot of questions for both of you, but I'm just curious. <laughs> um, did she train you, Dixon, or like, <laughs> did you just get inspired to like change your ways? Because I, I, I don't know if you were like the, the man I'm assuming you were before you met Angeline, but maybe you guys can just take us back to like when you met, what was the circumstances and like how did you come into like a, a strong I, I'm assuming you're monogamous and yeah. That's true. So I, I want to break your question. I hear two questions in what you're saying. Okay. Okay. So the first question you kind of started with is uh, how do we avoid that dreaded, we've been together seven years, it's boring, sex is no fun, there's no juice anymore, I think I need somebody new. And so you go out and flirt with somebody else and it's so exciting because it's that new energy and so how in the world does ours, which I'll tell you, gets better every year, juicier every year? How does that happen? What's different? So that's one question. And the other question that I hear is, how did Dixon change from being a skirt-chasing fool who cheated on every woman he was with to now being with a woman he's totally monogamous with and seems happy about it? And he's not complaining about the old ball and chain and all that kind of stuff. So those exactly. are Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Please share with us. Like, what well, is that? That's like secret sauce. Well, one thing that happened with me was uh, the last woman that I was with before I met Angeline, uh, I, I cheated on and she asked me about it. And I told her that I had cheated on her and the pain that she registered and went through changed me. And I knew I had to stop. I couldn't do that to somebody again. So that's the first thing. So that had nothing to do with me training him or controlling him or anything like that. That was his own internal growth. Now, uh, he's actually going to tell you, I hope, a little bit more about his background. We mentioned in the last uh, one that he came from a dysfunctional background, that his family was not close and understanding, and he had a lot of low self-esteem and issues like that and, and then drug and alcohol. I mean, it was the late 60s, early 70s and all that stuff. So he's going to tell you about his past and he's even got a picture here to oh, show geez, you. Oh, the long version. Well, not well, too long. Um, I'm, it's just, uh, it was, uh, I came from a very abusive 
you know, uh, family. Uh, and there was no room to do, uh, to ever, I never had a chance to experience myself because my father wanted me to be like him. And there was only one way to do things in our house. And that was my father's way. And so I spent my early years trying to be like my father and, 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 and I was never accepted for that either. So there was nothing that I could do that was really right at my house. And, um, uh, so when I left home, I didn't really have any idea who I was. I'd never had a chance to practice or figure out who I was because if I, if I verbalized any of that, it was put down and, you know, I was punished for it. So I was really confused. And, and then I got into the drug alcohol thing and, I, and that made me even more, I mean, I got even more confused and didn't know up for up, up from down. And, uh, I actually started losing track of reality, like, walking down the street all of a sudden not knowing where I was. And that happened a number of different times to me. And I, and I put myself in a rehab program and it wasn't because I was using drugs. I was using drugs, but it was because I, I was, a, I was, I was so afraid of what I was going to do next that I had to get somewhere where I would feel safe. And so I went into this drug rehab program and I stayed there for seven years and, and, it was about two years before I started to, uh, it was two years before I really got away from not knowing where I was at times. And then after about four years, I was asked to be a director in this program. I was uh, very loyal. I was, I, it's, have you ever heard of Synanon? Okay, well, uh, I was just a hard worker. And that's where I first found value for myself in my life was I knew that from this program that I could work really hard. It was a residential uh, program in Nevada. We had a thousand pigs. We had a hay contract to use it. We were self-sufficient. We were not supported by the state in any way. And I helped run that program. And I became ultimately the vice president of the program. Uh, and, And the things that I learned there helped me in the context of the program. But when I left the program, I was still isolated and emotionally i really needed help still so i uh show me a picture first no. he's got a picture here of himself in that program i don't know if you'll be able to wow so i look oh I, I look that and he looks like a terrorist i wouldn't want to get on the airplane with that guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh so when I got out of the program, uh, I went to work uh, for a furniture company in sales, and um, I transferred to Seattle, Washington. When I transferred up there, I was still just lost, unhappy, was had, you know, was still kind of a mess. And so I I got into a a group therapy a group therapy a group therapy program, and I stayed there. I went to group therapy for eleven years, uh, once a week. And that helped me, uh, I think it helped me uh, come out of myself to the point where I was willing to connect more with people. And that was when I met Angeline and toward the end of that stretch. And if she had seen me five years before she met me, she wouldn't have had anything to do with me. And so... uh, So what changed? Was it it you cheating on that woman and seeing her pain that shifted something for you? That was a real catalyst. The other, the, the, I think that the group therapy was, 
more of a thing where I, I, uh, I was more able to feel uh, confident about actually reaching out and connecting with someone. Uh, wasn't staying quite as isolated. And that, that, that experience with the, with the woman, uh, the last woman that I was with before I met Angeline, really, uh, it really hurt to see her pain. And so what he's talking about there is empathy. So when you are disconnected from yourself, as he was when he was young and in his home and, and in the military, you don't feel empathy for anybody else. You're not even connected to yourself. You know that saying about love others as you love yourself? You can't mm-hmm. feel empathy for others if, if you don't feel it for yourself. So what I hear in his process is he started finding himself, started connecting with himself, started getting grounded through the drug rehab program. And then through 11 years, that's commitment. My word, I'm, in, I'm impressed. Uh, 11 years as a bachelor paying for group therapy every week. Uh, he became connected with himself during that 11 years. He was with a lot of different women. He cheated on all of those women, but he was developing connection and respect for himself and who he was. When I look back, I think that, you know, when I read the, uh, the diagnostic uh, description of a sociopath, I think I was like a borderline sociopath early on because I did things that I didn't feel that bad about that, that I, that, you know, were just not just, just, just bad things. I did bad things. And, mm-hmm. and, but I've, I worked away from that and I kept getting more and more like empathy as she's, she's explaining. And um, so by the time that I had met him, he'd already gone through a lot of change and personal development and had shown a lot of commitment and willingness to do that kind of work and put his money there and, and all of that. And so at the time that I met him, he said to me, not right in that moment, but he said to me, I don't like what I did in the past. I don't like who I was in the past. I want a new way and I don't know how to do a new way. I don't know what to do. I want to do it differently. And she wanted to do it differently too, because she was going through a thing. And so we sat in this car the night we met till three in the morning, never touched each other and just talked. And we ended up moving in together with her children and everything. And we never kissed for the first three months we were dating. Mm. She slept with me two or three times. We were slept just, in the same bed without sex. I was so, she, she, well, I was really determined not to, to fall into this trap that I'd been in. I didn't want to do that anymore. And, and I had no idea where it was going to go. But I wasn't going to go back or I didn't want to go back. And so, uh, well, you guys had really opposite paths. Like, Angeline, you were, and you had just ended a marriage of many years. 20 years. 20 20 years. That kind of went the dead, boring, stuck in a rut kind of thing, right? And he's living the opposite life of like free man out and about partying, doing whatever, sleeping with whomever, right? That's right. It's like two. You guys came to meet in the middle and sort of like exchange keys with each other and find yes. a, it's beautiful. Yeah. Well, it's and 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 we have a cute little video about that on our website. So when people go to relationshipmaster.com, they can see this little video about the differences between us. But but the point that that I want to make here is your question about how did he change? He worked at it. 
it certainly yeah. wasn't, it was not me saying, you got to be this way. That's what I want. You've got to be such and such. He did the work. I did not change. Yeah, I think so many women we like, I know I've been guilty of this. I'm attracted to players and those kind of men. And then I, um, I bring them in and then I try to like convert them a little bit, but it ends up, yeah, kind of turning on me because what happens is like, while they're with me, they're still in the pattern and they do it. But once they're done with me and our relationship's over, generally the next almost consistently, I think I have like four or five guys like this, the next relationship they're in, they never cheat again. They're monogamous. They do all the things that they learned from me, but with someone else. And so I was like, why do I have this pattern? Like, I'm not, I'm not training them. I am for the next woman. So when I see the next woman, I'm like, you can thank me. Like I helped him, you know, like my pain was so great that they can't forget it. Right. But Anyway, please continue, Dixon. I know you wanted to well, say something else. Um, one thing that I, one thing about Angeline is, uh, I felt really safe with her. She, she didn't, she didn't challenge me. She didn't, uh, she allowed me to just be who I was, and I felt really safe with her. So it was really comfortable, and I knew that I didn't want to repeat uh, patterns from the past, kind of intellectually. But then I started to realize with this woman. That, that that it was not going to work to do that, even if I wanted to. That was not. Because there was a work. consequence, or what? That, why that, did you? That say? she was she would she was not going to put up with that. Yeah. She will not put up with that shit. She will not put up with it. And I, that 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 threat wasn't really what kept me on the line. It was like I really didn't want to repeat the past. I was so sick of being, um, just uh, by myself alone. Uh, isolated, uh, unhappy. Uh, my, I, I feel my, my life was miserable and, and I was happier with her than I was with anyone else. And so it was kind of like, we just never questioned, we never talked about whether we were going to stay together or not. We just sort of came together and it just kept growing and getting to be a better thing. And then uh, we were walking across a theater lobby we, we were living together at this point. Yeah. And, and I, let me tell you, it's an interesting thing. Uh, I did not see him as a, a partner, potential partner. He was just a friend. And we moved into a house together. And he took the master bedroom. I took the second bedroom. My son took the third bedroom. And my two daughters took the two upstairs bedrooms. We were not a couple. We were, we were not... Uh, we were just friends supporting each other. We liked to dance. I did not see him as the man that I was looking for. It's just, it felt like the right thing to do that I could help support him. He needed a place to live. I needed a place to live. It was, it was a, I don't want to get into the whole long story, but. Um, a supportive we, friendship. It was a supportive friendship and we were getting to know each other slowly over months we did gradually end up being in each other's bedrooms in that house. So it, it did not start out as a sexual chemistry relationship at all. It started out as respect for each other as friends. We gradually ended up in each other's bedrooms at different times. And then this situation happened that, and, and, Along the way, he was saying things to me, like, I just want you to know, I'm not the married kind. Think about that. And I, and I wasn't thinking of it. I wasn't, but, 
Um, so we're walking across a theater lobby one day after, after watching, we were watching a movie. A movie that had very traditional values in it. And she stopped and she took me by the arm and stopped me and she turned me toward her and I'm standing there and I'm looking at her. And she looked up in my face and she said, Dixon, I don't want you to take this as pressure, as pressure, but I truly feel, I truly believe that marriage is a higher place in relationships. And, and it, it was like somebody had struck me with the bolt of lightning. I knew it was true. I knew what she said was true. And I came off the ground about six inches and I didn't come down for about two weeks. And after I came down, I asked her to marry me. <laughs> It was like, no, it was over. She got me right there. Bam, right in the middle of that lobby, it was over. How long had you been together at that point? Uh, I think we'd been together about six months. Six or eight months. We were together 13 months before we got married. Wow. And what what was it about that comment, like, that was true for you? Well, one thing is, I, she, she, um, Angeline doesn't have a second agenda. There's no hidden agenda. When she says stuff, she means it. And she doesn't have to hang a bunch of drama on it. It's just, that's the way it is. I don't always agree with her about things. But when she, she she's real clear about what she believes. Uh, and when she said that to me, I just, I just, I just knew it was the truth. I knew that marriage was the next step. It, it was the next step. So I, I want to tie this back to something you said, Amalia, about getting involved with players and thinking you'll be able to rescue them, change them, whatever. Or uh, hope that they pray that they don't cheat or get paranoid that they yes. will. So, <laughs> I mean, that's so, the other part. So here's, here's the problem with that. You're getting involved with someone that you dislike how they are. When I got involved with Dixon, I liked him as a person and accepted him as a person. And then, therefore, he felt what he calls safe. He was accepted for who he was as he was. But, and I when, didn't even know the extent of her acceptance. It's taken me years to get to, the, to know how much she accepts me because I, it's taken me years to accept myself. But, but from that place, when I say marriage is a higher place... He knows I'm not criticizing him. I'm not trying to change him. I'm not trying to do anything to him. And it creates a whole different level to function on than trying to fix somebody or save somebody or change somebody or improve somebody. If you're coming from that place, there automatically is a negativity in the relationship. And we didn't have that. I I mean, I can give you a funny example of me getting to know him one of my complaints about my former marriage is that I had to coach my ex-husband in how to be a good father. If, if our daughters, who at the time that I divorced were in their early teens, if they needed a father-daughter talk, I had to tell him, um, you need to talk to her. She needs to hear from you. Da, 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 da. I'd have to coach him in how to be a father. Well, Dixon and I had only been living in the same house with all three of my kids for maybe a month. And I heard voices in the night. Now, I was in a separate bedroom. And so I hear these voices. I got up to go here. Who's up in the middle of the night? And I walk into the kitchen. And here's my oldest daughter, who at that time was about 17. And she's sitting at the kitchen table with Dixon. And she's sharing this experience that she was unhappy about, uh, about her date she'd just gotten home with. And he's sitting there 
talking to her about this, my first reaction, which I didn't say was, who the hell do you think you are? That's my daughter. And as I stood there and listened, I thought, oh my goodness, he's having exactly the kind of talk with her that I keep trying to encourage her dad to do. He's listening to her. He's empathizing with her. He's counseling her as a father should. This, it, I was building a relationship of understanding for who he really is. And he was de developing and coming to awareness of who he really is. For the first time, he was in relationships that had the potential to be long-term growth-producing relationships. The environment of living with me and my children was entirely different than anything he'd ever had. Oh, yeah. So he was discovering himself, and I was discovering who he was and accepting him as who he was, um, which created the ability for him to be the fully wonderful man that he actually is, that he had never had the opportunity to really experience before. And since we've only got a limited time, I'm going to jump from that to, I'm going to segue, use that to segue right into how do you make a relationship last over years and years and years and have it stay juicy and have it be interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, I wanted to jump to like, okay, so tell us about the sex. Okay, <laughs> like, so here's, here's some, where did that come in? Here's a blog <laughs> that I wrote a while back. It's called Juicy. My wife likes to refer to our relationship as juicy. And well, it is. I have a few thoughts I'd like to share with you on the subject. Typically, when I think of juicy relationships, I picture people in their late 20s or early 30s. For most people, folks in their 70s like Angelina and I don't exude a juicy relationship kind of vibe. Honestly, when I see an older white-haired couple that clearly care for each other holding hands, I'll periodically catch myself thinking, oh, look, they're holding hands. Aren't they cute? And in my case, that's interesting because some of those cute white-haired couples are younger than I am. <laughs> I'd like to tell you something important I've learned about juicy relationships. I've become aware that in the dark, the sensations of intimacy are as heady and wonderful at 74 as they were at 24. Even more so. Because in the dark, it's not about seeing things. The touchings and whisperings in the dark for white-haired folks are often accompanied by a time-tested stretch of experience and love impossible to imagine at 24. Yes, white-haired couples can celebrate their love through the sweetest, most intimate expression in this life, just like they were young again. So from perhaps a new and different perspective, the next time you see an old couple strolling along, white-haired and cute, imagine this. They're quietly headed home to turn off the phone, lock the door, and totally light the place up. Now that's juicy. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> so yeah. In there, the key thing is, I think you talked about a time-stretched uh, experience that they have with each other. If that time stretch period that they have with each other uh, goes from the initial experience of who are you? What are you like? What is your background? And you're so curious about your partner. 
And then a year or two in it, well, okay, I know who he's like. I know what work. I don't even want to ask him how his day went at work. It's the same old stuff. And you quit exploring and experiencing and deepening the understanding and the connection. You get bored with each other because you're no longer being authentic. You're just playing the role. I've got so much housework to do. I, I'm stressed for my job. And you quit dating in the sense of getting acquainted. Dixon mentioned, I think, in the last call that we have had a 30-year conversation. We are constantly being authentic and open and learning about each other. We are deepening our mental, spiritual, emotional understanding, which keeps our physical relationship juicy. And there's another, there's another thing I'd like to add, and that is that in the course of all of this, there are times when... I run out of patience and I just don't have the strength to try to make things right. I'm just too tired and I'm too pissed off and I'm too frustrated. I don't want to talk to you anymore. But, but there's something that's really important. And that is generosity of heart. When you find yourself, there are times when you just cannot, you don't, you can't find generosity of heart in your life because you're just too far gone. But when you see yourself starting to go, if you can just stop or, or, or slow the progress toward going enough to, to actually reach out with kindness and try to bring your heart through the pain that you're experiencing and, and add some light and, and bring love to the situation, it's not easy. But I think that that really will help uh, the tenure, the time to keep adding on because you, you – that generosity of heart plays an important part in. It's a choice. You make yeah. a choice to stay open to each other. You make a choice to be vulnerable. To go past the frustration, past the anger. Sometimes you just can't do that. You make, you make a choice to be curious about why is he acting like that? What's going on? What's driving this rather than being critical? That choice to be open, to be understanding, that's what keeps it juicy. And most of us, we get angry. We stop the generosity of heart. We get critical. We finding flaws, which because everybody's showing their best side in the initial parts of a relationship, well, their true self is going to show up, and then you're going to see flaws in them because everybody has flaws. And they everybody do. has pain, and we're all suffering through life, learning the lessons that we have to learn. And if you come up against things that are deal breakers such things as uh, physical abuse or um, addictions and stuff that are deal breakers, you can't fix the other person. And if they're not willing to fix themselves, then it's a deal breaker and it's over with. But almost everything else, he leaves his dirty laundry on the floor. You know, he doesn't. The toilet lit up. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't remember to ask me about this or that, or he forgets my birthday. He loses credit cards. He loses credit cards. He's got ADD and he loses. I have money. ADD, and it's, yeah, there's, we had to go through some stuff about that. So those things are workable. I, they, they are. They're workable if you're both willing to work at it. And, uh, and we'll close with two things. There's two things you absolutely have to have for a relationship to work. There's more things that are really nice to have, but you have to have these two for any relationship, whether it's with your boss or your next door neighbor, anybody you want to build a relationship. You have to both be willing to be as honest, meaning vulnerable, open, sharing who you really are, authentic as you, as can, you can, 
and you have to both be willing to do the work. If either one of you is missing those, and in my first marriage, I wasn't honest even with myself. I was playing the role of nice wife and he wasn't willing to do the work. Our relationship was doomed. I mean, we made nice for 20 years and it didn't work. Wow. Such rich wisdom. Thank you both so much for for being vulnerable and sharing with us authentically. I feel um, a lot of hope and I'm noticing the synchronicities continuing in our relationship, like how when we met, um, we haven't been in that close of contact and since I've met this new guy. But as I was listening to your story, I was like, oh my gosh, I think I got all these codes from them because we met dancing. We were good friends for six months. We we actually decided to be together and have a relationship before our first kiss. And um, so it's like, oh, wow. we had <laughs> And it was interesting because it it was a very, very, very different way of getting together that it's almost been mind boggling and a little confusing for me because it's so unfamiliar. And well, like, stay tuned. yes, <laughs> I want <laughs> well, I'm learning like, um, you know, what, what you were sharing Dixon about Angeline's family and having like learning how to connect and, um, even the kindness that you mentioned, I've been learning that from my relationship. Like he has a strong family. They're very connected. He um, He's extremely kind in the way he um, converses with me. And I've had to learn to like really stop the, the judgments or the paranoia or even my request because he's open and willing to do the work. He's, he's there like waiting to connect with me. But if I come at it with a certain aggressiveness or suspicion, it's not really the, the best place. And I love, I, how did you say it? A generous or kind heart? Generosity of heart. Generosity of heart. I love that. I've been learning that. And, um, tuning with that in, in the last few months. And so it's beautiful to hear you kind of crystallize that. Thank you so much, you both of you. It's really a pleasure. We're going to have to have you on again. So nice. Yes, well, best wishes to you in your new relationship. Congratulations working on it. And best wishes and lots of hope to your listeners. You can, you can learn the skills and the understanding to be able to build happy, satisfying, juicy relationships. <laughs> if you guys want to learn more from Angeline and Dixon, you can go over to their website. We'll put it in the show notes, but tell us again what it is. Relationshipmaster.com. Relationshipmaster.com. Yes. yes. Okay, great. Thank you guys so much. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you'd like to contact us and stay in touch with us, you can find us at lovesexagenda.com that's lovesexagenda.com you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram Love Sex and the Hidden Agenda
你呀。